Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontifract. Today in the house, all the way from France, Samuel Duran. Samuel, thanks for joining me. First a bio, then we'll, we'll get in my first question. You're the author and producer of several workplace documentaries. That's how I found you. You started to explore the future of work in 2019 during a learning expedition. The documentary is called Work in Progress, published in 2021. And it explores the recent trends in the world of work. Sam visited experts and people all over Europe who had been reinventing the way we work to find meaning, including fully remote companies, freelancers, nomads, makers, creators, collectives, and communities. And in fact, the story of Work in Progress documentary has also been adapted into a comic book. It's very good. Sam, your second documentary, Why Do We Even Work?, which was released in 2022, explored the different drivers of motivation. Why do some of us like to go to work? Why do we join one company rather than another? Why do we stay at that place of work? For what are we willing to exchange our most precious resource and our time for? In the documentary, Samuel, you break down the how, the what, and the why of work. It's fascinating stuff. I'm so excited to chat with you. I wanna start first by a definition that you've come up with about the future of work. It's as follows. You say, the best practices, methods, and trends of a minority of individuals who are, quote, ahead of their time and whom we consider in the future. You say, Samuel, the future of work is already a reality for some people, and we will talk about their work as the future until it's adopted by a majority of the people. I love that. So explain to me how really you have learned about the future of work and what it means to you over all of the documentaries and research you've done. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. And uh, um, I think uh, like we have so many bad stories about work, about management. I have so many uh, articles I mean, testimony. You just need to go down there uh, to pub, uh, to a cafe, anywhere to hear bad conversations about the very bad definition of work. And I just wanted to share what works, what's positive about work. And uh, as um, when I, I was just graduating uh, a few years ago, I wanted to have a good perspective about about work. So I, I went on this journey that uh, you presented, like this uh, this learning expedition to meet with people who were ahead of the time. And actually, I just um, at first, I had a very bad image of uh, salaried work and of big companies. Then I understood that some of them they have innovate, they have implemented innovation in management in organizations in so different ways, like from freelancers to the four days work week to autonomy to so many different topics that uh, you can find meaning in plenty uh, plenty ways within a company so um i think it was refreshing to see that uh, uh, some innovations are uh, also also that these innovations they are implemented everywhere in the world it's not just like uh, oh uh, in this country we are so much ahead of the time no there is something linked to the culture i guess like uh, they have a different culture in europe in in japan i'm just coming back from japan so it's way different than what we know or even in europe if you take spain italy or scandinavian countries or france it's very very different from the us too but still um i've seen some pioneers pioneers companies innovating in everything uh, everywhere in the world in the world like in the us in canada in france in vietnam in singapore in japan so um i think it's, it always starts with someone who has a vision 
And it's not always about economics or so. Sometimes the people are just willing to lose a little bit of money, but to gain so much well-being for the members. Um, and sometimes they end up just like not losing any money and earning more money because the members are more engaged. And I think it's, uh, it's always how it starts. So Samuel, one of the questions I had for you, of course, is I know you're a researcher and a documentarian. Uh, you're going to do your research before you get into these projects. I'm assuming that you research a lot of the data that suggests, you know, work sucks, you know, employee engagement levels are bad, you know, they're very low. There seems to be a bit, when I went through both of your documentaries, a dichotomy. And that is, the data suggests that work sucks, yet you've highlighted so many wonderful, great examples of companies and organizations and leaders, you know, getting it right. So explain to me how we can live in a parallel universe when so many data points suggest work sucks, yet you found so many great examples of how it doesn't. Yeah, I think that there's also a problem because if you hate your job, you're going to you're going to tell it to everyone and you're going to share about how you hate your job everywhere. But if you love your job and even if you don't love it, but just you you like it, you enjoy going to work every day or not going to work like like working, if you enjoy working in general. It's it feels normal, so you don't you don't say it, you don't share about your experience. I think that's why also we have much more people sharing about their bad experience about work than people like sharing about what they like about it. But still, um, the level of burnout and anxiety and stress has never been higher, and uh, lots of people hate what they do. Um, I think we 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 just also need to ask the real questions when you when you're looking for a job. Um, usually, I, I would say that pre-COVID, you would look for something that's around where you live that would meet what your your expectations in terms of salary, like what you would need to have the life you want to have, but not. Not much more. Like you, that, that's all. You don't really care about who you, who you're going to work with, and what are you going to do, and what mission you're going to to join. And I think that right now we are much more asking these questions, and they are so so important. So in this documentary, why do we even work? We're just trying to show that in different countries, different type of company, different industries, different um, different different places, you can find the same drivers of motivations like the work environment the task itself the autonomy the mission like you need to be able the company needs to be able to give answers managers need to be able to give answers to people about these three drivers of motivation so you're able to engage with the company over the long run and um we just need i guess more um more stories in podcasts in documentaries in articles in everything <laughs> about why people can um find fulfillment in work and if it's not fulfillment at least a spark of joy okay well uh that's a great segue because you brought up fulfillment you brought up uh basically a sense of meaning and you've always you know strongly questioned the meaning of work and that sort of purpose of work a reflection you say that follows us throughout our lives but very often i suppose as you've mentioned in your documentaries it's re reduced sorry to the kind of desires for freedom from like, you know, being in a younger generation. And then you get into an organization, you get older, you get more mature, you get perhaps wiser, but you might also get beaten down by the bureaucracy or by bad leadership, et cetera. So I guess where I'm going with this, whatever your age, if we're in the midst of this paradigm shift, 
and society as a whole is evolving. What have you learned, Samuel, about that meaning of work through the interviews and the documentaries you've put out? Well, first thing I'd say that it's not about generations, that we have people. Good. Um, I, I have friends, like they're my age, they're 26, and it feels like they're already 70, uh, and uh, they don't really um, have projects. They don't really care about their work. They're not asking themselves the right questions, and they they would like to sit in a closed office with uh, someone to help them with their agenda. Um, and I see people in their 15, their 60s, and they're working, they're, they're teaching me stuff about innovation in organization, about innovation in anything management. So I wouldn't say it's something about generation. It's much more that it's about the environment we're in right now, post-COVID. And um, about meaning of work and fulfillment, I would say that we, we, we use... Sometimes we, we we mistake, we yeah we, we we do a little bit of mistake by um, saying that we need meaning, and uh, really what we're focusing on is the impact. But not all jobs can have an, a good impact, and it's not really important uh, if you're not working in something that has a positive impact of our planet or health or education we don't we like you can still find meaning but to find meaning you just have to understand what you're looking for are you looking for a great environment where you are with people you're, you're surrounded by people you love being with uh, and sometimes it's just enough like you can do anything but just being with the right colleagues the right people around you that are not just colleagues but are also friends that you can be your true self with them that's something that's uh, it gives lots of value to a job, and some for some people that's enough. Some people they don't really care about who they are with; they just really care about what they're doing and uh, uh, like the task itself and how they're doing it. Uh, can they, can they be creative? Can they be autonomous? And if they have this, like it's it's enough for them, and they don't really care. And some other people they would do anything if just if they're just uh, fulfilling a mission, if they're part of a collective, and. What I'm trying to say is that you just have to ask yourself the right questions about what's impotent for me. Uh, what are, uh, why are we getting, um, are we getting up every morning? Why should I go to work? And um, if I have true answers and not just I need money and uh, it's just, it's something I, I saw something on the, on Facebook or on LinkedIn and, and just uh, applied and I I got in. Like it's, it's not enough. You have to know why you're doing it. And it doesn't have to be a big why. Like people are always chasing about uh, what's my why? What's, wh <laughs> why am I doing uh, in my life? Like uh, should I pursue a mission in education, in health, in in anything like some big mission? It's, it doesn't have to be with it, something that has a great impact for other people. Just first question is about you. Like what do you need to be happy at the end of the day and to have a smile on your face when you get up in the morning? One of the books I wrote was called The Purpose Effect. And uh, the subtitle is How to Build Meaning in your, in your Life, Your Role, and Your Organization. And what I found in my research, Samuel, was that, in fact, it's a kind of like a trifecta. It's like a Venn diagram that mm -hmm. you have to kind of have a sense of meaning for who you are in, in life. You go to work and you better find some sort of sense of fulfillment or meaning in that role but there's also your organization. If the organization either doesn't stand for something or it's doing harm, or even it's just, you know, all about profit and EBITDA and not about sort of the general, hey, how what are we doing for society? Then you then things kind of fall down. 
Have you witnessed in any of your interviews or discussions or, you know, working with some of the organizations, a similar model? Like, do you see that some companies and organizations try to help their people with that sense of meaning of, of life and just, you know, who the person is, plus they want that organization to do well in society? Like, tell me a bit about how, what you've discovered over the years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, in, in the world in general, we're seeing more and more companies shifting to be to be natural, to um, to take a clear stance on, on issues that matter. So, for example, in the documentary, we have Ben and Jerry's. And it's always about how you tell the story, because some people would say that Ben and Jerry's, that they're harming people because they're selling ice creams and ice cream. Creams, uh, creating, uh, uh, is helping people getting fat for some reasons. Like it's, it's always like how you tell the story and then they would say, no, we, we're just helping the world because we make profits or selling ice cream and these profits, we reinvest the profits in issues that we take a stand for. Uh, it's Whether it's climate change or uh, justice system or uh, the environment or uh, LGBTQ rights, like it, it could be anything that they believe in. But um, I would say that like Ben and Jerry is, is leading the way, but still we have many, many more companies who are not neutral anymore. And they are saying that we believe in this. We believe, for example, in autonomy. We're going to give you autonomy and uh, we want to help you achieve your goals, not only within the companies, but in your life. So um, in most of the companies who are described as pioneers, I think that the, the thing that's, that's always here is that um, they they give responsibility to people, and when I say responsibility, it's not like I give you lots of things to do, and if, if you you don't you don't do it, you have a problem, or you're responsible for it. It's more than you you directly see the impact of your work on mm -hmm. what you're doing on the project and on the company itself, and. Lots of different people are different. Like some people need autonomy, some want to be creative, some don't. But we all want to see um, that if we're doing something, it has an impact. That's the most important thing. And lots of companies, they fail to do this. And this is how people lose faith in the company, lose engagement. They don't really see their value. They don't feel uh, valued. So if a company starts to offer this, then people, if they see the impact they have, they can are, are also see... Um, what part of uh, their personality they're bringing to the company and to the group. And so uh, they feel value. And uh, and then I think that's the kind of uh, system you're talking for, talking about. Yeah, wonderful. I love your Ben and Jerry's example. And it's it's so uh, such a profound moment in one of your documentaries, you know, basically interviewing uh, a couple of people within the, the, the plant. And they're saying, look, I come to work and this is what we get to do. We were helping farmers, right? We're helping cows we're we're reducing our ghg emissions like they're actually in it for the planet despite the fact that they're making ice cream so it's that you know uh almost counterintuitive balance that they're like yeah we know we're making ice cream however we're doing it ethically if you will so that we can help our people feel good about where they work and we're helping society so i was curious you've been you've been privileged to to interview and to work with leaders at, at microsoft and upwork and TopToll and GitLab and Google and Shell and IDEO. So what, what are some of the trends or uh, I guess learnings that you've uncovered with some of those leaders when it comes to things like meaning or even the future of work? Like what 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 really resonated with you? Mm, I think that's uh, overall, like uh, it's been four years that I've been uh, uh, in this future of work topic, uh, interested in it. And, and I think that the 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 major lesson 
is that whether a company are, are really um, like engaged on the topic, like if, if they want to really transform themselves, whether it's it's because they really feel like they have uh, something to do, uh, something else to do than just earning money or whether they are just uh, passionate about uh, finding a mission for everyone or have a, having a positive impact, they will have to transform themselves if they don't believe it because um, the economics tells that uh, like right now, consumer, they, they vote by buying something. And at the same time, candidates, they won't join a company that is harming our environment. That is uh, har that is not trying to solve the big um, the big issues we have in our century. And if a company isn't able to take a stand on these uh, issues and to show that they really care about the um, the values that the people believe in, whether they are consumer or whether they are candidates or members of the company. People aren't going to work for them anymore. So what what I see is that lots of people they shift from being, being neutral to take a stand on lots of different topics. I would say that like ten percent of them they believe in uh, what they're uh, supporting, and ninety percent they don't really care about it. It's just that uh, because of the economics, they just need it. But still, in the end, we don't really care. We just need companies to do their part, and by by doing so, um, I would say that the 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 leaders that I've uh, I've met with, um, some of the of the pioneers, they really they really care about it. It's not just uh, about the economics. That they also uh, it's not just about business. They they also really profoundly care about their members, and they just they want them to achieve something. Um, they don't want them to come and do their work. They want them to be uh, happy with their lives, with their family, um, and. Um, and it's, if it's not happy, if it's just like achieving a goal, like mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say that a, that a company needs to needs to make their members happy. It's not the role of a company to make people happy. I think it's it's more of an individual choice. Some people have chosen to be happy. Some <laughs> some have chosen uh, to don't. And um, I would say that the goal of the company is to set goals for people that are achievable and to help them achieve goals because um, and it can work for anything like for. Most of the conversations about the future of work, it's about remote work and it excludes lots of different people in other industries. But what's really true for everyone is like you can give trust, you can give responsibility to someone, whatever job it is. And then you can also, um, you can also really, uh, yeah, I would say that this this kind of this level of trust you can put in someone when you hire someone is something that's uh, just. Uh, much more than just working for the company. It's a trust that you give in the personality, in the person itself, and it's much more about work. So you, you trust them in their life in general and will help them achieving their goals in general. Well, I couldn't agree more in terms of the happiness piece. Uh, in fact, I have a, a book coming out this year called Work-Life Bloom, and I'm making the point right up front, there's no such thing as work-life balance, and it's not the employer's responsibility to make you happy it's, you know, a collective and it's not about happiness. It's about fulfillment. It's about, you know, how I feel developed, how I'm blooming in both work and life. But that's for another day. You and I can talk about that uh, later on. What I, what I realized when I started to get to know you is that your research started prior to the pandemic. And then you started mm -hmm. researching during a pandemic. And now, not necessarily that we're out of a pandemic, but it's certainly easing up. So I was curious, Samuel, like, what have you learned between what companies and leaders have evolved or what they've changed 
in the way in which that they are operating their company. So did some of the things that you learned about that were wishful thinking things back in 2019 before the pandemic, i.e. the future of work, now actually have happened? And what what more have you noticed in terms of the evolution, I suppose, between when you started your work and where you are right now in your thinking? Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting question because uh, uh, if you refer it to the definition of the future of work we gave uh, earlier, uh, lots of things that were the future of work uh, before the pandemic became the present of work. So um, I, I won't talk m much about it because uh, there's been so many things said about remote work. But uh, yeah, in general, the different trends, they accelerated and some things that were just uh, reserved to a few people. Now it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's more popular. And mm -hmm. so remote work, we uh, everyone tried it. And even people who didn't believe in it, they, they tried it and now they're working remotely. But um, I would say that in, in, in something that is uh, is a bit different is about the talents. Like uh, before we had, we had people trying to join a company, it was very hard for them. The market was in favor of the companies. Now it's the opposite. The market is in favor favor of the candidates of the members and uh, it's it's hard for companies to recruit and um and one trend that accelerated and it was the first thing i i uh, explored in my research was the relationship within freelancers and big companies yeah um i'd say that uh, like a few years ago um in 2016 something like this uh companies were hiring freelancers uh, because they had, didn't have choice. Uh, they wanted to work with someone uh, as a salaried worker, but they weren't available. They were, and right now, they understood that this, uh, in, in this vision of this total workforce management, they can have both people working uh, over their own run with them and people working uh, as freelancers for them. And then they're not, uh, um, um, before, like, Right now, they're proud to work with freelancers because they, they understood that some of them are out of talents and um, they really integrated them uh, in the way they work. It uh, it, meant that, it means that they really uh, shifted the, their organizations uh, from uh, like for, for, from the human resource to uh, the manager to, to also the supplier. Like everyone work on new processes to integrate them within the companies. But um, I think it's one of the trends that accelerated a lot. Like I, I see companies who pre-COVID uh, would say that we're not working with freelancers. If, if we are, we are not really proud of it. It's just <laughs> because we don't find anyone else. And right now they're, they're, they're trying, they're applying to uh, different uh, uh, competitions to, to share how good they are with working with freelancers. So really there, there was a shift. And also at the same time, I, I I see this in France. I'm not sure it's, it's the same in the US, but in Europe in general, lots of people were trained to uh, become freelancers because they wanted to escape from solid work uh, because it was very rigid. Like you had, uh, yeah. you, it was it wasn't really flexible, and um, the different the, the lifestyle of freelancer over uh, salaried worker was uh, an employee was very very different. But right now. Um, as being an employee is uh, much more flexible, like you don't really have the same uh, uh, difference between being a freelancer. Uh, so lots of people who would think of being freelancer right now that they're just staying uh, in salary uh, workers, uh, employees, and it works for them because they have the trust, they have the flexibility to organize their day, uh, the place they're working to. So, um, so also it, 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 this is something I, I haven't noticed first, but uh, right now I'm seeing more and more people stay uh, employees and not wanting to become freelancers anymore.
Well, it also begs a different question you've actually brought up, uh, and it's a good segue, and that is you've you've been able to uh, research and travel to different countries, to different cities, and you're very good at making sure that you have a great uh, buy bifurcation or uh, I guess cross-section of industries that you've researched. So I'm curious, Samuel, is there one country or certain cities or certain industries that you find are evolving quicker or better and and sort of that quote future of work or the meaning of work kind of tenants that you've been researching are, are just frankly doing it better than others? Mm, it's, it's so different. Like, uh, um, I have, I have some uh, industries, some uh, countries, some companies that I prefer, but it's it's really from my point of view. And uh, like, for example, for this new documentary, uh, I was in Sweden and there they work around 4 p.m. and they have a clear separation between personal life and professional life. And this is something that I'm really proud of. And um, I think it's the, the kind of work, I, uh, the kind of separation, the kind of lifestyle I would like to have. And this is not the kind of lifestyle I, I admire. But for them, it's it's really working. And uh, you could say that there, there's, there is a lot of innovation in there. But at the same time, um, I would say that the the the, um, the company I'm the most impressed uh, uh, by is uh, is Patagonia. I, I've been able to uh, interview them for my new documentary, Time to Work, and uh, they really have understood this concept of life work integration over uh, work life balance. This idea that um, first you're working on a mission that you really believe in it's not the work and your life like if you're working uh, to uh, like their their slogan is uh, we're here to save our home planet if they're working to save our home planet in marketing or in uh, if in finance for example during the week uh, you can assume that people during the weekends they're also working to save our home planet and they really they really believe in the values but much more than that they have this nursery within the the company and they also uh, pay for your bail if you're uh, arrested during uh, uh, non-violent action oh, uh, wow. they help you yeah they really uh, they help you uh, abort if you're in the state where it's uh, now illegal in the u.s so i would say they don't they don't push you to uh go on strikes or to uh or to abort but they would help you they would favor some um some uh some attitudes some uh, some behaviors and so this um um this way, and, and and more than that, like this, the the spirit of the company, the founder wrote this book, "Let My People Go Surfing," and the idea is that if there is swell, if there are waves, you should be in the water surfing, <laughs> and then uh, you would do your work at 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 some point, uh, and as long as you don't hurt, uh, you don't harm the project, the group, uh, the rest of the company, the collective, you just organize how how you want in terms of place and in terms of hours in in your day. So I, I would say that this concept of life work integration. Uh, is something I believe much more than uh, the concept of work-life balance, and it's not something that is uh, that is uh, bound to a company or to a place or to an industry. We have just the vision of leaders that are everywhere in the world that share the spirit. Well, you had me at hello on that one because I couldn't agree more with respect to the next book I'm putting out, Work-Life Bloom. In fact, similarly, my research suggests that even employees aren't interested in work-life balance in, in so much as they do want balance, but it but it's sort of a false narrative. If you're uh, espousing that the organization is balanced and you're suggesting that there aren't times when you have to work 50 or 60 hour weeks because there's a deadline or because there's an important project or there's a customer crisis. And it's that sort of notion that, well, 
if life is part of your work or work is part of your life, what are we as employers doing to create the conditions that allow us to bloom in both work and life? And it sounds like this particular example sort of um, echoes that sentiment, if that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this false narrative is also because we don't really have the, a clear definition of what work is. Uh, and like you know, this, this, uh, this border is, is blurred right now. But uh, I, I did a little, a little bit uh, of an experiment over the last uh, three months. I, I tracked uh, all the time I invested in anything. Uh, I, I used the tool to track this. And um, and just yesterday, I... I um, I, I tried to uh, compile the data to uh, to sort all of this to organize this, and I uh, and I f and I found that um, I'm working on average like 40 hours a week, and um, every day. Like I don't really care about if it's a weekend or if it's on a Monday. Um, but when you try you're trying to look into what is work, if you say that work is uh, something I am paid for, I'm only working 20 minutes every day. If work is something that that um, it feels like an effort for me, I have to. Uh, uh, I don't really like it. Um, it's around thirty-five minutes every day. Um, but if it's if work is production, like I'm really creating something, it's around um, it's around like two hours and a half every day. But if it's just being in activity or a screen time, it's around six hours every day. So depending on the definition you take about work. You have a different, uh, a different vision of the time you spend working, and I think it's it's interesting to have this discussion about what we consider about uh, what is work, because for some people it's something really bad because we just don't have the good narrative. And on the topic, in this new documentary, uh, I f I think I found the perfect definition. It's not for me. It's it's from an anthropologist called James Isman. And he explained that he has this definition that would uh, make uh, uh, hunter-gatherers, a trader, or uh, a farmer agree. Uh, it's that work um, is when we spend energy um, purposefully on something. And that's it. And it includes also um, like unpaid work, which is also work. Like you, you're working on, you're trying to, uh, to work on the dishes at home, and you don't, you don't, you're not paid for it, but still, it's an effort, and it's unpaid work. Raising a child is an unpaid work, and uh, with this definition, like um, spending energy towards a goal, I think it's a good one because uh, we just have a, we just have this uh, universal and fairer definition. Well, that's just poignant, Samuel. I know that you uh, you spend your energy purposely on the work that you're doing, and it's very good work, my friend. Where where can we find out more about what you're up to next, and uh, send us somewhere so we can find out where where it is? I have. I think you can you can look for uh, workingprogress.com on the internet, and then you'll find the links to the different documentary Work in Progress. Why do we even work? Time to work. We have different screenings, uh, uh, mostly in Europe, but you can find the link if you're outside of Europe uh, to watch the documentaries uh, online. And then uh, we are trying to show the documentary uh, within schools because people need to have this positive vision of work uh, as young as possible. And then within companies, of course, to create this kind of discussions. And uh, if you read French, you can uh, you can also try to read the comic books. I, I recommend it. <laughs> Hey, merci beaucoup, mon ami, et à la prochaine. Samuel Doran is our guest today on Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontefract. Look for everything that he's got at uh, uh, workinprogress.com, the new documentary coming out. When is that, Samuel, roughly speaking? 
It's April the 4th. Excellent. Well, we look forward to that. And uh, again, you're uh, quite a documentarian and researcher of everything that I love, which is all about purpose, that work in progress. Why do we even work? And what is work? Uh, I love what you're doing. So thanks so much, Samuel. Thank you so much, Dan, for having me. All the best. All the best.